there's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt, and just cutting through the matrix time again. And it's June the 6th, 2008, on a very stormy, thundery night in Ontario, Canada. Newcomers look into Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix.com, and also look into Alan Watt, sentinel.eu, and download as much of the transcripts and the audios on both sites as you wish. Pass them around to your friends if you have any left. And if you still have some friends, maybe it's best not to pass them around in this time because people are getting pretty scared with all of the changes that are happening. And even those who don't follow this are getting the wind up that something big is going down. I got a copy of the military bulletin, their own magazine that they have in Canada here, and there's a big do to do with 2010 some sort of great preparedness for 2010. Well, we know that the last uh, signing of, the final signing for the total integration of the Americas, Canada, the U.S., Mexico happens in 2010. So that's coming down pretty quickly, and they're even publicizing little bits about it, really, in the military magazines, although they're not telling them exactly what's happening. Mind you, in the military, you don't really care. You just go and do what you're told, and bash folk on the head and kill them, and you follow orders. That's how you get up the ladder in the military. Thinkers are not really very welcome. And, as I say, so much is happening that you can't keep up with it. You find that not only, and I've spoken of this for over 10, 12 years now, and long before I was telling small groups and private groups uh, that Marx talked about the integration of Europe followed by the integration of the Americas and then uh, a far eastern Pacific rim block was to follow. And it's been boring living a life knowing all this was happening, reading all the books too put out by the big institutions that were working on this and the biggest organization that spearheaded all of this for Europe, the Americas, and the Asian Pacific bloc is the Royal Institute of International Affairs. That is the, the organization, massive organization, that's a private organization, but it has all the backing of the British aristocracy and the aristocracy of Europe. Incredible backing. They're the real government, you see, not the ones we elect. And as quickly as said, they always put their own men in, in all, at the tops of all parties. And the minor politicians are allowed, allowed some sort of competition, but at the top of all parties in every country, there's this parallel government because the leaders are picked on all sides. They all work for the same organization. We find that World War II was the greatest thing that ever happened for this organization, World War I, in fact, they had a hand in, in, in getting going, but World War II set up the United Nations after the League of Nations to help be the, at least the primary world government 
that we will see anyway. There's still a power behind them, but that's the ones that the public will see when they take over uh, for world rule. And what I've been doing since at least the 1950s and rolling uh, onwards is standardizing the whole planet under the education system, teaching the same political correctness worldwide uh, through UNESCO and many other organizations. And there, there are no nations anymore. The nations are gone. And when anything's announced to the public, it's a done deal. It's over really and done with. Used to say in Scotland, it's all over bar the shouting. That's after the battle. And that's almost where we are. I'll be back with more of this after this break. Alan Watt cutting through the matrix and uh, before I go on with my talk tonight I should remind people they can buy books on the website cuttingthroughmatrix.com and you also have discs, CD discs and DVDs and that helps to keep me going, you can also donate if you wish, the buttons are there, they're up and working now, one of them wasn't working that well, it was bouncing things back and I didn't know they were coming in so as everything's working now and you can go ahead and donate if you wish. It keeps this going. Under a salesman, I don't push myself. And uh, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd rather not be doing this, in fact. It's just that it has to be done. And someone has to come out with the basic truth uh, without giving you uh, cotton wool to land on. Because this is terribly serious. It's been serious our whole lives. We didn't know it. There's been a war on against the peoples of the world. And we're just going through the end of one phase of it as they bring in the next phase, the transhumanist-type society. And I understand even at the Bilger, the Bilderberger meeting, uh, there's some leaders of the transhumanist uh, people there. Some of the top uh, characters are already attending it. And you would ask yourself, why are they, they asked to go? These people who plan to have us part cyborg, uh, chipped, uh, top of brain chips and all the rest of it, the placid... Uh, compliant society, that's what they're after but it'll be an elitist system nonetheless, believe you me the ones at the top have said they will not change themselves they will not be chipped they won't have their brains tampered with so big things are happening now the Royal Institute of International Affairs as I say has its counterpart in the US its cousin they couldn't call it royal in, in America. It wouldn't go down too well, so they called it the Council on Foreign Relations. But they had many fronts out there, and they were departments of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And one of them was the Institute for Pacific Relations. This is the one that has run uh, New Zealand and Australia uh, for the last 40-odd years. And sure enough, as I was talking years ago about the three blocks, trading blocks, Here's the announcement to the public. This announcement comes way too late because they've, they've, they've already tied them together, all those little countries, and been working through tying their economy together and their tax laws and even the military together. But they're pretending here. They're getting used to the idea of amalgamation of the Asia-Pacific Rim. The latest Prime Minister of Australia is called Kevin Rudd. Understand he speaks Chinese. What a coincidence in this day and age for his particular role that he was picked and chosen to do. And this is from the BBC News on Thursday, 5th of June. 
Rudd moots EU-style Asia-Pacific bloc. Australian Prime Minister Kevin Rudd has proposed the creation of a new Asia-Pacific bloc similar to the European Union. It's boring reading this because it's like deja vu. You've read this years ago from their, their own books from the Royal Institute and how they do it, and here they are admitting to it. And Mr. Rudd said the organization would cooperate in economic, security, and political matters and reflect the region's growing importance. He wants the new body to be in place by 2020. That's a joke. You see, that's a joke. That's just this whole spiel here by the BBC is just to get you used to the idea because they're already halfway or three quarters way there already. Being placed by 2020 and span the region, including the US, Japan, China, India, and Indonesia. It would incorporate a broader remit than existing bodies like APEC, ASEAN, and the East Asia Summit, he said. He says there's some unresolved conflicts. Mr. Rudd, elected in November, discussed the idea in a radio interview on Thursday after outlining it in an impress the previous evening to the Asia Society, Australasia, in Sydney. Remember, the region is currently host to a whole range of unresolved territorial conflicts, the Taiwan Straits, the Korean Peninsula, Kashmir, involving a whole range of nuclear weapon states, he said. We can either stand back and allow things to drift, or we can say, actually, there should be a better way of handling this, and that's what we are putting forward as an ambitious proposal for the future. He said any future Asia-Pacific community would not need to mirror the European Union, a 27-nation bloc with some common trade and development policies. The government is to appoint a diplomat to discuss Mr. Rudd's idea with relevant nations. Well, they've had diplomats discussing this for, let's say, 50 years. Andrew Robb, a foreign affairs spokesman for the opposition, dismissed Rudd's proposal as presumptuous. That's him playing his role as the opposition. That's what they do, is punch and judicial. His first job is not to be making pronouncements about grand architecture for the region, telling China, Indonesia, and Japan, and India how they will be organized as a region by Australia in the next 20 years, he said. Mr. Rudd should develop strong bilateral relationships before he tried to shape the region, he said. So that's the, that's the opposition, the, the phony opposition, saying what he's supposed to say to this proposal. But as I say, there are already three quarters of the way there in integration. And many departments uh, under the Royal Institute of International Affairs have been working steadily and relentlessly for years to integrate them, just as we're working in Britain since 1948 uh, to join Britain into the whole European Union and every other country in Europe. And in the late 90s, it was only then they admitted that they did this all in secrecy and that the public were not to be told until it was completely done. A, a, a done deal. That's the same thing with this Australia thing. When they're announcing it, you're almost there. And I can remember when I was small, when this idea was tossed around, as they tried their, they floated their trial balloons to the public. Uh, people said, "Well, integration and competing as blocks means it's a race to the bottom, because obviously the country with the cheapest labour uh, will be the country that gets all." the work, all the manufacturing, and that's China, as we know. So we're all supposed to eventually end up competing with China. So much for, for this progress that uh, they tell us about is always going on. 
I often wonder who defines this thing called progress. So there you are. As I say, it's like deja vu, and life can be awfully boring when you've read all their books all your life, and no one wants to listen to you. And sure enough, eventually it pops out into the open, and it's a ho-hum type thing from the majority of the public who still will not get it. They think this whole new world order will allow them to carry on as they've always been. And it's even as it's changing, they think that. Their life is changing by the week or the month now. But they still think they can go on as they always have done. And that's what Plato said 2,300 years ago. He said the public are adaptable. They adapt so quickly to everything that's given to them and their memories are so short. Well, isn't that true? They're adapting themselves into the the most well-made cage ever devised, right to their own extinction. So that's that's really what we're, we're seeing happening in the world. It's an old, old agenda. It's a long-term business plan. I talked last week or, or, or last time I was on about how they have 10-year plans for one aspect of it, 50-year plans for another, 100 years for another, and they've always gone along on this path. And whenever they announce something is, is happening, or work, it means it's done. It's actually done. Tied together at the hip. And when you try to back out of it, it's, oh, you can't do that, you'll be left behind. That's what they used for the British people and the European people. You'll be left behind. No one will trade with you. And they're quite right, because under the GATT Treaty, if you don't join them, they will not trade with you or allow your stuff to be exported to other countries. Pure blackmail. Plain and simple. And it isn't simply to do with joining them that way in, in an economic system. It's joining them in the cultural, the new social cultural society that they've designed, which is to do, as I say, with transhumanism and depopulation of the planet and true planned parenthood. And eventually no parents at all, actually, when they eventually clone the worker bees a long-term business plan and the public go along with every step of it to adapt themselves into oblivion. Now here's another little article here which is interesting to do with adaptation. When cell phones were first given to the public, like everything else is given out for the public to buy. Now if they ordered you to get a computer and said it's law, you've got to have a computer or they ordered you to have a cell phone, you'd be a bit suspicious. So what you do is you put out there, you do massive advertising campaigns, and you will buy it thinking it's fantastic. Meanwhile, there's a good reason that you've got it, that's good enough for you, but then there's a real reason. The real reasons never come out till much later once you're addicted to it. And this is again to do with cell phones. Also from the BBC News, on the 4th of June 2008, Mobile phones expose human habits by Jonathan Fields, or Feldes, science and technology reporter. The whereabouts of more than 100,000 mobile phone users have been tracked in an attempt to build a comprehensive picture of human movements. The study concludes that humans are creatures of habit, mostly visiting the same few spots time and time again. Most people also move less than 10 kilometers on a regular basis, according to the study published in the journal Nature. 
Results could be used to help prevent outbreaks of disease or forecast traffic, the scientists said. This is the excuse they're given to the public. It would be wonderful if every mobile carrier could give universities access to their data because it's so rich, said Dr. Marta Gonzalez of Northeastern University, Boston, the U.S., and one of the authors of the paper. Dr. William Webb is a nice name for you. They love giving us webs because we're in a web. Head of Research and Development at the UK Telecoms Regulator, Ofcom, agreed that mobile phone data was still under-exploited. This is just the tip of the iceberg, he told the BBC News. I'll be back with more of this after this break because it's an interesting article on how you're being monitored and watched as you pay for it. Folks, I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix as it's thundering down outside there. And boy, there's a storm going on here, even the satellites now. And reading this article here about how there's only one of, of a few universities tracking the movements of people. Now, we know that the, the National Security Agency is tracking everybody, and that they're also trying to figure out you and who you talk to and get in all groups in your clusters, they call it, your own personal cluster of friends, try to get similarities between you and so on, as they, they basically dissect you and then get your whole personality profile together. So this is this uh, Dr. Webb saying this is just the tip of the iceberg, he told the BBC News. Researchers have previously attempted to map human activity using global positioning satellites or surveys, but it's expensive. One innovative approach tracked the movement of dollar bills in an attempt to reconstruct human movements. The study used data from the website whereisgeorge.com, which allows anyone to track a dollar bill as it circulates through the economy. The site has so far tracked nearly 130 million notes. Studies such as this suggest that humans wander in an apparently random fashion, similar to a so-called uh, Levi or Levy flight pattern displayed by many foraging animals. You see how we're all being dissected and watched and studied like creatures, just, just creatures by these, these, pe- these psychopaths at the top. There's just no privacy, and, and here they are studying, and, and they're into your phone calls and all the rest of it, seeing what you're doing and talking about, because they're, they're fascinated by it. It says here, uh, man talks on mobile phones in Cuba. All of the, the mobile phone data was collected anonymously. However, Dr. Gonzalez and her team do not believe this approach gives a complete picture of people's movements. The bills pass from one person to another, so they can't measure individual behavior, she explained. The new work tracked 100,000 individuals selected randomly from a sample of more than 6 million anonymous phone users. Each time a participant made or received a call or text message, the location of the mobile base station relaying the data was recorded. Information was collected for six months, but according to the researchers, a person's pattern of movement could be seen in just three. So we can figure it out in three months. Model behavior. The vast majority of people move around over a very short distance, around five to ten kilometers, explained Professor Albert Laszlo Barabasi, another member of the team. Then there were a few that moved a couple of hundred kilometers on a regular basis. The results showed that most people's movements follow a precise mathematical relationship known as a power law. That was a first surprise, he told BBC News. 
The second surprise, he said, was that the patterns of people's movements over short and long distances were very similar. People tend to return to the same few places over and over. Why is this good news, he asked. If I were to build a model of how everyone moves in society and they were not similar, then it would require six billion different models. Each person would require a different description. Now, models had a basic rule book to follow, he said. This intrinsic similarity between individuals is very exciting and has practical applications, said Professor Barabasi. For example, Professor John Cleland of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Disease said the study could be of use to people monitoring the spread of contagious diseases. This is the, this is the, the rubbish they're telling the public. Avian flu is the obvious one, he told BBC News, so it's for your own good, you see. But really what they're doing is figuring out and feeding all this data into computers. Here's a real, the real gist of what all these organizations are doing. They're using your tax money to do it. It's to work out a society, a workable society, in the transhumanist tradition, part cyborg, part this, part that, where everyone's programmed for their jobs and how much communication that they would need to, to have between each other and main computer stations and so on. That's what it's to do with and how satisfied the person would be uh, living in a, a world where they follow instructions all the time, all day long. That is what, this is what this is really all about. They don't spend this kind of money and do this kind of exercise and collect the data because they're worried about the, the avian flu, especially since a good portion of the planet don't have cell phones anyway. But this is a sort of nonsense we get fed. It says here, although the scale of the latest study is unprecedented, it's not the first time that mobile phone technology has been used to track people's movements. Scientists at MIT, now that's a big one, MIT, uh, they get so much government funding, Pentagon funding and so on, to do with high-tech. They've had used mobile phones to help construct a real-time model of traffic in Rome, whilst Microsoft researchers working on Project uh, Lachesis are examining the possibility of mining mobile data to help commuters, uh, or commuters pick the optimum route to work, for example. Location data is increasingly used by forensic scientists to identify the movements of criminal suspects. Well, we're all criminal suspects these days. You know that. Anyone with a thinking brain is now, you know, a terrorist or, or potential terrorist. This is, for example, the technique was used by Italian police to capture Hussein Osman, one of the four men jailed for the failed suicide bombings in London on 21st of July. Failed suicide bombing. I guess he was an attention seeker. Commercial products also exist allowing parents to track children or for friends to receive alerts when they are in a similar location. These types of devices and projects will continue to grow, Dr. Webb believes, as researchers and businesses find new ways to use the mobile phone networks. There are so many sensors that you could conceivably attach a phone that you could do all kinds of monitoring activities with. Now, we know that the inventor of the cell phone has already put an article out recently uh, where he said that eventually embedding a chip in the person without the need for a phone is really what his end purpose uh, was, hopefully. Be back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi, I am Alan Watt, coming through the Matrix. And going through a massive thunderstorm right now, too. And I think the satellite's back working again. It was cut out there as the, the strikes were coming down at the sky and hitting the ground all around. Not that I'm paranoid or anything. But uh, there's one caller on the line. I should really take that before going to this next article. And I think it's Rich from Florida. Are you there, Rich? Yes, I am, Alan. I'm from Sarasota, Florida. Good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I found you quite by accident this evening. Called the number, and my God, <laughs> unlike calling some of the numbers that you get on the radio with Rush and such, got right through. You got right through. Well, yeah. Well, you term the matrix, and I really don't know the issue specifically that you're dealing with tonight, but I hear you use the term matrix, and I find it to very be appropriate to the six years of research I've done. Yeah. There is a an element missing from the dialogue that's going on within our nation, the United States, that unfortunately we've been browbeaten to stay away from. Um, as we all know, the, the poor Jewish people were disadvantaged and beaten up and destroyed in the Holocaust, and it was a horrible event. No one has paid attention, however, to the fact that the Holocaust was in fact supported by the family that in fact created the Federal Reserve of the United States in 1913. They actually planned it from before then in 1897, the Rothschild family. Mm -hmm. The Rothschilds and the Warburgs, Paul Warburg, in fact, wrote the Federal Reserve Act, the technical details of the Reserve yeah. Act, on Jekyll Island in 1910. I, I know I know all this stuff, but I don't, I don't need a history lesson, but I know exactly I what know, you're talking I know, about. I know, but the, the reality is the Federal Reserve was formed for the one purpose of bankrupting it. And that's uh, demonstrably proven. And you had, you had Warburgs, too, who were on both sides. They also were in charge of the, the German uh, debt yes. for the German side. The brother was, and his brother was head of the Federal Reserve in the U.S. I mean, that's, that's just how they do it, yeah. It's, it's just as ludicrous as George Bush Sr. being at a business meeting with his partners, the Leiden fam Ben Laden's family, on the day that 9-11 went up. That's how incredible... Very curious. Isn't it? And we get these amazing coincidences all down through history, and we're not supposed to say, well, wait a minute here. What's the odds? And well, it's even more coincidental people. when you get back to George Prescott. George Prescott was working for Brown Brothers in 1933. I know, and the Brown, of course, too. I mean, all that stuff, and the bank, too, was, was actually closed Prescott, down, trading with the enemy. Prescott was set up to be a uh, director in the Union Bank that funneled yep. money to the, the Fritz Tyson and, and Crooks families. That's right. That and again, you, you find the Hitler. same names, the Tyson names, and all these right down to the present time. They're still getting massive contracts from, from government and so on and into the food industry. It's always the well, same, the same, same few dozen but players. But Alan, what we fail to recognize is that we, as a government in the United States, are over a barrel without a dab of Vaseline in sight. Absolutely, we are, absolutely. We are a debtor, and yep. we are a debtor to the machine that these people put in place in 1913. As I, I go even further. I go even further. It's not even 1913, because you see, they already yeah. had. They already had control of the gold industry before, before they brought in Federal Reserve and paper money and all the rest of it. Totally. They, this is an old, old game. It's gone on for a long, long time. And the key to all always is money. And you know yourself, even if you could found a country that did mint its own money, it would be corrupted within, before a generation was out. You'd have the big psychopaths in the top 
controlling it all, deciding how much is worth what, what and what is buying power is. What we find when we look really close, uh, the one world government is a myth, and uh, I'll probably be attacking and not on purpose some of the theories that people have had. The goal of the Rothschild, the House of Rothschild, because they do date back prior to Lincoln and trying to undermine this nation, but the goal that they've had is to, con is to collapse and consolidate currencies. As we know from Natty Rothschild's chant in February of 1812, let me control the issuing of a currency, nation's currency, I cannot who makes its laws. That's right, because he, he was, knew he was it, very the accurate whole, there. The whole laws of economics is in all economics books, is that all the laws of any nation revolve around this economic system. That's taught first right off the bat in economic classes. So uh, this is standard yeah, stuff. Is the, the debt is me, controlling issue. Yeah, and uh, our, our this, nation this, is in debt to these people and their surrogates yeah. and the Bush family. I don't wish to forgive them; their hands are dirty and bloody. But the Bush family, I firmly believe, is on the side of this nation because they got caught dirty back early. You, you find every major politician, people. and almost every politician in history has been part of this scam, and every country. Yes, absolutely. Every country. In fact, the poster, poster child is, is Tony Blair because he's at the top of the heap when you go to the Fabian Society in London, in London, in Britain. Yeah. I've done lots of talks on all these subjects and given histories of them all and the Fabian Society. But, but no, this is a, a giant scam, but the world has been run by scams for many, many centuries. Well, and this is just the latest. It's de facto scam. government that's hidden behind all world governments. If you go back to Natty Rothschild's lectures. But even if, in, you, never mind Natty Rothschild. I'll tell you about the Rothschilds. The Rothschilds did not go out to take over the economies of country. They were brought in by the elites of those countries. There's your big link there. If, well, if, you if you think that one person could possibly sink the Bank of England and, and buy up for peanuts and get away with it, with a, a government with a history of massive assassinations and will let one guy walk around those streets of London without getting them, you, you know, you're on the wrong track. They brought these guys in uh, for their expertise because the royalty already identifies themselves as a superior species over the ordinary public. I'm sorry, say and that again. I'm curious about what you just said there. That, was, that missed me. Yeah, the royalty already accepts itself as a superior, uh, more evolved group oh, over yes, the public. Oh, the bloodline. And so they don't, they don't identify with the people they, they rule over. The aristocracy never did. And they were very blatant about that in the British histories and all of the histories of Europe. Well, if we go back to the 1600s, we find that the king looked at the Jews, unfortunately, in a very pejorative way, as the king's Jews. He owned them. But the reality was that they lent him money. So he covered them. He, he assigned them favors. Or the, the well, he's the key to this. He's the key to this, too. And it's a, it's a term, it's like everything else, we use terms and like slogans and we adapt them. It's not the Jews. How many of the Jews do you know who own banks? I like you, that. You're, you're talking about right a small about aristocracy. You're talking about a small aristocracy here. A small aristocracy who run Jewry at the top. Let's do an analogy. The Italians until the 1950s were looked at as being the mafia, and the reality was the mafia was a crime syndicate within an Italian group of people, but the Italians were not bad people. The Jews the same way, but they're not a mafia. They call themselves a brotherhood, and they're within the Jewish people. 
and the dues, the innocent as a people in, at large. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, and I'll tell you another thing too. Uh, when the common Jews, because there are, there's an aristocracy and there's commoners, when the common Jews have, have uh, been useful enough, they're also wiped out because the aristocracy don't relate to them either. How old? Let me ask you, Alan, how old are you? Uh, I'm not going into all this right now. But the reality thing. is you've touched the nerve. I'm surprised that you've got the wisdom. Most people don't understand that the Jews have been killing other Jews. That's a very... Oh, oh yeah, absolutely, and, and there's an aristocracy. You'll find the same brotherhood throughout all peoples. All peoples. Well, the Jews... Are and it's the same thing. Most of us have done the better it's, job. And it's not the them. Jews. It's not the Jews. It's like saying the Scots or whatever. It's not, or even the Italians. Well, it's we always call a group them Zionists. Within. I'm not so sure that's even a fair term. You're talking but about people who believe in every culture that they've risen to the top of the heap through evolution, and they are superior uh, to, well, to those below them. And I they call Irish. those beneath them commoners. Background is, and we kind of think we're superior, but on a small level within a family, we enjoy life. But when you deal with some groups, as you're outlining, they believe that they have the ability to dictate to the world. This group that is within the Jewish people, if we will, feel that they are the aristocracy of the world. Mr. Rothschild is known within his Jewish people as the king of the Jews. He's called when you Messiah. Speak to the Jewish people, He's called Messiah. If you understand that. Hebrew terminology, then everyone who furthers a particular goal is therefore called the Messiah. There can be many messiahs to, in Judaism. Be careful here, because when the Hebrew word, word Hebrew is used, it is not analogous with the Jew. I, the word, I'm not going to go into the... the I don't need a lecture on Judaism. And believe you me, this audience understands all this history that you think you're giving them to the first okay, time. I, I don't know who your audience typically so, is. So, so they don't need to, to have all this, this stuff. Britain set up Israel. They put them there. They funded the darn thing. They got the Ottoman Empire out of there. They set it up for a long-term project. There's only well, Balfour was blackmailed into now coming to fruition. And uh, believe me, once they've served their purpose, they'll have no more purpose for them either. Well, Israel is merely a headquarters for the Rothschild apparatus to build a currency that is issued throughout the world, whether it takes them a century or three centuries. Israel is what wants to work. No, it's on. not because he you won't have a currency shortly. And if things are calling though. You won't, you won't have a currency shortly because they're going into a cashless society completely and then eventually, as, as um, Bertrand Russell says, you'll be issued credits by the state. Now, he's talking about the world state. Money is only a means to an end. As long as we believe it's real, we use it. We're trained from birth to go out and earn money. And we do so. And then we pay a lot of it back in taxes. Okay, but I'm back on again. So I don't know what's happening here tonight. I'm getting odd things happening with the phone too. But yeah, we don't need lectures with the same old standard stuff that's, that's pushed out there in the same books. They're heavily financed. And don't forget too, there are many sides playing this game. Oh, it's all the one side. And you, you find that, that the Jews get the blame for any, everything. But I keep saying, how many of the Jews own banks that you know of? Most of them don't. They work as well. And the one thing they are trained to do is stick together and always stand up for each other. That's drummed into them. That is true. But when you get them on a one-to-one -one basis, they will tell you what they really think about the world, too, and their own fears. And even what, they ask the question, what on earth is Israel playing at? See, they don't, they're not in on what's happening, either. Everyone is used in turn. And every nation, remember, 
Every nation and patriotism has been used in turn in every country. Every country. They used to say, my country, right or wrong, and you went off and you fought all these wars. For centuries and centuries, Britain was involved in 400 years of war against other nations dominating them. And very, very seldom did anybody stop and say, what are we fighting for? Young guys love to fight. That's why they, they pick young guys to go off and do it. They're not too bright. Now I've got Derek in Vermont. Are you there, Derek? Yeah, Alan, Hello? can you hear me? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just um, thinking about, uh, what was it, Wednesday's show. You are talking about cell phone technology and whatnot. Yeah. And I'd like to share experience I had with your uh, listeners. Uh, this was probably in, I'd say, February, March. I'm, uh, I'm driving around at night. It's kind of misty night up in Vermont. And I noticed, like, a... It looked like a radar blip up in the sky, like it, like it, like a illuminated uh, particles on the on the on the cloud. Uh -huh. um, and it was it was it was it was as if there was a uh, like a lighthouse right above my car. Uh -huh. And I'm I'm as I'm driving around, I'm wa I'm watching this happen, and kind of like kind of knew what was going on, and then it disappeared for a little while, mm -hmm. and then uh, it came. It came back, and this time it was like a, a lot higher, higher up. I thought it would be a good idea to tell like one person about it. So instead of using my cell phone, uh, instead of dialing his number, I thought I text messages to the guy, and uh, I got a pretty good uh, surge. I had to drop my phone and uh, you know massage my hand for a little while, mm -hmm. and uh, stop using that phone. But um, ever since, it seems like including right up to tonight. Anytime I touch any sort of, uh, well, not any electronic device, but a lot, like even a mouse, mouse pad, uh, uh -huh. cordless phone. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it, you know, you, 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 feel, you can feel, you can feel it in your hand. Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something else. What we do know is that they're using very high technology out there. Um, I've watched the sky ripple across the nights last uh, fall in uh, microburst of lights that's going from south to north, north to south. And I've watched it for four or five hours at a time. Uh, and they admit they're playing with harp technology. They're combining it with even higher technology coupled with satellites. And we know that uh, the satellites, too, are used for tracking uh, cell phone users. They're using a lot of different um, experiments right now on the public for I think for, for reasons they'll be showing us pretty shortly, um, for, for kind of lethal and non-lethal weaponry, in fact. There's an awful lot getting used right now and tested out on the public. Yeah, I kind of wonder if all the uh, spraying we've been breathing has something to do with um, all of this, too. Well, you see, if you're, even if you're breathing or drinking water that's, that's contaminated with aluminum particles and other metallic particles, which is in the spray, it's been analyzed enough, uh, then you're becoming a conductor. Sure enough. You're a walking conductor, a walking antenna. And uh, that could be something to do with it too, I'm, I'm sure, absolutely. Yeah, why not? And all the panels you see on the buildings and the towers. And... Mm hmm All right, Alan. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Take care. Yeah. And then we've got, uh, is it uh, Z in California? Yeah, hi, Alan. Hello. Hey, how are you, man? Uh, so I was listening to your show, and it's uh, read, uh, you know when you were cut off? Exactly yeah. when you mentioned um, 
how there is going to be a cashless society. There is going to be no cash. You made that point, and as soon as you said that, <laughs> it's almost funny how somebody clearly just pushed the button. No, don't say it. You know, but yes. um, I just yeah. wanted to ask you a question about. Um, do you know that movie THX one one three eight? Yes, excellent movie. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I I found out only from you because you mentioned those movies, many movies, in in your shows before. And uh, I had a question. Uh, that, that 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 black guy at the end of the movie, the big black dude who sort of walks out of the white, uh, the the holographic character. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know anything about what he represents in that movie? Because that, uh, that, that that sort of threw me off. Uh, I'll take your answer <coughs> on the phone. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, well, that that movie, um, I think, was Stanley. Was it was it Stanley Kubrick's first movie, or the, which guy was it made that movie? He was the uh, he was right up there in a lot of sci-fi. Yeah, George Lucas, that's right. And that, that was his first major movie, heavily backed, way ahead of its time, to launch him. And uh, the black man always stands for Jethro in the occult. Jethro is the part of the quaternity. Back with more after these messages. cutting through the matrix and hopefully we don't get the strange happenings we get with the telephone lines it wasn't cut off just faded away apparently and we get played with these days and I expect it and I should also mention that there are people out there who do belong to groups and agencies who are told to scan all the radio shows and try and get in with their, with their talks and try and give these little history lessons I've listened to these for years and it's the same spiel they give you and believe you me, if you don't think the CIA is also at the top of these things, you see who goes into publishing their books for them, the supposed white supremacist groups and so on. You'd be surprised at what the CIA is involved in. And they do. They scan the airwaves to see who, what talk shows are on. And they'll call you cold, haven't talked to you before, haven't even heard your show before, just so they can give you their, their little thing and try and sway a few people to create more, more problems down the road. But... Uh, Strange things as they are happening uh, with the phone calls these days, and and I get this all the time now. And we do know that there's these these teams set up by the Pentagon. It's been all the newspapers where these people simply uh, play with your your computer. They can get into any computer. They've all the back doors built into them, and um, all the companies that make the computers have purposely put the back doors in. That is law. And they also play with your telephones and so on. At the moment, they're just in the harassing phases, but they've already said eventually they're going to treat it as total war. So people who speak out against the system and where the system's taking us are classified as enemies and they will come under attack. And they'll actually fry your computer or anything else that's electrical if they want to, including your phone. They can fry that quite simply. And that's how far ahead they really are in the real world. And if people remember... What George Bush said after 9-11, he says, if you're not with us, you're against us. That was, a, that was a declaration, a legal declaration to the world, and every American citizen too, that if you're not with Georgie boy, then you are an enemy. And of course, at that time, you think about it, he wasn't telling you what with us even meant. As I say, my country right or wrong, that's what he was really telling you. And there was this whole agenda, was to go forth, this world agenda, for world order, world society. Every country now is literally under a form of martial law having signed the same documentation as the Homeland Security Bills. 
That took years of setting up prior to 9-11 for that to come into action across the world. Years of negotiations and the countries all working together under the United Nations, by the way, quietly, to bring us all under this totalitarian system because the object is not, was never ever to destroy uh, the guys in Afghanistan or Iraq. It was simply to take over those countries. They're the last countries that have held out from the world order. They haven't joined the World Bank, or at least they didn't then. Now they're, they're in it, of course, they were forced into it. They have no debt to speak of. They teach their culture to their children. That's a no-no today. As Bertrand Russell said, the parents always contaminate their children with, with old ideas that will not do for a new world order. So the state has to bring up the children and give them their ideas. And that's what's been happening. An indoctrinated population worldwide. Standardization. We now have politically correct people, PCPs, everywhere, all prattling the same little terms are given to prattle about and little slogans. Remember what Lenin said, we shall win by the use of slogans. And that's all you hear nowadays. Quite amazing. But as Plato say, we're so adaptable as a species. Adapting ourselves into the cage. Well, from Hamish myself in a stormy night in Ontario, where lightning is flashing all around, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.